Welcome to the Global Discussion, discussions with creatives, leaders and thinkers. My name is Simon Hodgkins and today I'm really happy to be joined by Jennifer McMahon. Jennifer, you're very welcome to the podcast. Let's begin by asking you to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your journey and everything that you're involved in. So over to you, Jennifer. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and thank you for the invitation. Yeah, so I'm a, a writer, a novelist. I create short stories, flash stories, novels, award-winning multiple publications. I'm what they call an emerging writer. So I'm not yet, I don't have a novel yet published, but I'm in the process of querying agents. And I was a winner of the Irish Writers' Centre Novel Fair 2023, which is an incredible event. It put me and the other 11 winners in a room with 17 publishers and agents over the course of two days. The second day was a Zoom event, but the first day was in person in the Irish Writers' Centre. We got to pitch face to face to some of the top publishers and agents in the UK, Ireland and around the world. And we had 15 minutes with each one. After 15 minutes, lady rings a bell, the agent moves off, another one comes to your desk. And we got to pitch, you know, I mean, it's an opportunity made for an emerging right i mean you couldn't get you couldn't pay for that and uh, yeah it was, it was i mean you could have powered the nation on the energy in that room on the friday and uh, yeah so i my novel is out with i have i have actually three novels three works out with those agents at the moment one is called house devil it's about a girl in recovery who relapses and deals with her family trauma the other is a dystopian literary novel uh, which is still in progress, but almost finished. It'll be finished the end of April. And the other is my short story collection of work that has been published, shortlisted, longlisted, has won competitions. So, so yeah, so I, I'm mentored by Fiona Scarlett, best-selling author of Boys Don't Cry, which is such a privilege. And Fiona's an absolutely wonderful person and an incredible writer. I'm a winner, as I say, of the Irish Writer Centre Novel Fair. Just recently, I think it was last week, it was announced that I'm, I was second place in the Oxford Prize, which I'm really pleased with. And last year I was a top 10 finalist in it. So that's stepping up the, up the mark. And yeah, so my work, my work appears in Chrono Literary Journal, which is a very well-known Irish literary journal. I just had a story published in the Irish Independent newspaper, which is really cool. It, it, the story was very well received and that paper has a distribution of like half a million people so even if that story reached a hundred thousand of them you know that's that's quite quite a, a readership as I, I mentioned the oxford prize so i'm in the oxford prize anthology last year i'll be in it this year high math review which is an american journal imperial literary magazine another american journal books ireland magazine love books retreat west anthology it's a long list <laughs> And, you know, and a lot of work has gone into producing that. That all happened in the last 12 months. So before that, I hadn't really submitted anything. And, you know, and through the, and this is one of the things I learned as a writer, that through the process of working on short work for submission, you become a better writer. Because to be a better writer, you have to write and write and write. So having a deadline, having a goal, an aspiration to maybe get a long list, push me to improve the quality of my work and keep improving it. And every rejection was a, a kind of a spur to do better. Nowadays, rejections just mean means I haven't found the right home for a piece yet. You know, so you take a piece, it gets rejected somewhere, you move it on. 
the story that came second in the Oxford Prize was rejected in a couple of places before it achieved that in Oxford. So, you know, it's very much a subjective matter for the judges as to whether they like a piece or they don't. So, you know, reject, I don't take rejections personally, and that's, that's important. Some hurt, I will admit, some do hurt. <laughs> but, you know, it's part of the business I'm in. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much. I mean, first of all, congratulations on all the success that you're seeing so far. It is truly outstanding. And the other thing that blew me away is all that's within pretty much the last 12 months. So an up-and-coming writer, you certainly are, because you are uh, you seem to be everywhere. You're winning prizes left, right, and center. You're going to need a bigger trophy cabinet. And also, the I'm going to liken it, and it's probably not a great choice of words, but it was almost as though you were speed dating with the best agents that could be pulled together. And what a great opportunity that is. And on that, could you maybe tell me a little bit more about House Devil? House Devil is, so it's mm, genre-wise, I could either pitch it as literary, kind of humorous literary, or upmarket humorous. It's also, I mean, there's a lot of darkness in that novel. So it's about Kay Farrell, and Kay is 29 years old, and she's three years clean and sober. And Kay is a super nice person, really. I'm going to give you the elevator pitch now, Simon. So Kay is a super nice person, really. And she's definitely nothing like Patsy, her abusive and chronic alcoholic father. And even though it suits her to move home to care for him, she can pat herself on the back for her altruism. Trouble is, her dreaded past, all of which is Patsy's fault, of course, is suddenly waving practically in her face, trying to get her attention. And as old friends and enemies resurface, Kay is caught in a replay of, of her childhood. A stake is her precious sobriety and everything she believes to be true about herself, because just maybe she's not the nice person she thinks she is. Very good. Like that a lot, Jennifer. Thanks for sharing that. Well, and that's one of that's one of a number of novels, as you say, that you have yeah. really in progress right now, don't you? Yeah, I've quite a lot of work in progress. I mean I've written a few every writer has to write their practice novels. So probably the first really decent one I wrote was in the end of twenty twenty one, which is called The Eighth Hour. It's a story about a drug addict who has eight hours to pay pay off his his drug dealer major drug dealer or he gets killed which unfortunately is a it's a tragic story but it's also a very timely story i think uh, and then i have house devil i finished that uh, last year hollow man is the dystopian one which will be finished end of april and that's set in ireland in 2064 so it's a future dystopian i hope of of literary merit and that's set in an occupied Ireland in post a pan-European war. And it's, it's got themes of, you know, belonging, finding our place in the world. It's, the main character is Barry Duggan, who's 17. He's a fledgling poet. He's involved in a faction led by this guy called Mulligan. And Mulligan is a brute. And the, the reference to Hollow Man is, Hollow Man was the infamous traitor of the previous rebellion but now there's a new rebellion starting and Barry gets drawn into it with his girlfriend Serena and it's it's kind of an epic story and I absolutely love Barry he's such a wonderful character he has such warmth and such kindness yet he's living in this absolutely brutal brutal world and it's about really about him becoming his own man and finding his place in the world and then I have one two three 
I have four novels planned and the next one I'll be working on if you're interested is called If It Hadn't Been For You, which is set, it's an extrapolation of my story that was published in the Irish Independent recently. And so the first chapter is basically that short story and it, that's set in a hotel in the Wicklow Mountains on a misty night. It's a contemporary novel, it's a literary novel and the whole of the novel takes place over the course of that night, of that evening and that night as she tries to deal with grief over the loss of her partner who died tragically in a car accident and he's not the man she thought he was. So it's about coming to coming to that truth and coming to coming to a point, a place of forgiveness and acceptance. And grief is something I deal with quite a lot in my work. I suppose it's, it's, a, it's a universal theme for, for humanity. So it just tends to crop up here and there quite a lot. I don't know how you're doing it all, Jennifer. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot going on. And you've obviously have the, the, the writing bug. Where does it come from, though? You know, is it back to your childhood? Is it just something you wanted to do? What made you pick up the, the pen or the keyboard? What, where does it come from? There were two novels I read when I was, when I was young. My, my brother, who's one of my greatest supporters and, and a great supporter of my writing, he, he was into science fiction as I was growing up. He's my older brother. And of course, being my older brother, I was influenced by what he was reading and he'd thrown books to me. They were all sci-fi. So there were two, there was one novel in particular, actually, that two, no, I'm going to say two. So The Stainless Steel Rat by Harry Harrison, and which is, and then Dune by Frank Herbert. Of course, they have that fantastic new film of, of Dune now. Both created such amazing worlds that I, I felt totally drawn into the characters, the places, the technologies and I wanted to be able to do it. So when I started writing in, started writing about five years ago, I started writing science fiction and I'm really, really, really bad at writing science fiction. You know, this, this is something I had to learn. I wrote a lot of bad stories, I'm not going to say bad stories, but you know, I was learning Minecraft and it wasn't my niche and I kept doing it and kept doing it. And, but of course, as I grew older, my taste had changed from sci-fi to literary and I thought what do I really you know getting nowhere with sci-fi not happy with my work thought what do I really want to do and it turned out to well it's actually literary fiction is what I enjoy reading so it's what I should write and then again I continued kind of developing the work and I had a a bit of an epiphany at the end of 2020 when I realized a few things about story, what what a story is, and what a story, the elements of story. So a story needs depth of character, it needs a meaning, it needs a theme, and the characters need to change. Not always, but even a subtle, subtle change in attitudes or, you know, that they have some realization by the end of the story. So there has to be a character arc, at least in my stories. Realizing those kind of changed how I wrote, I also started reading better fiction. And I mentioned a few authors like Nula O'Connor, Fiona Scarlett, my mentor, of course, David Butler, who's also has been a mentor to me, Claire Keegan, Donald Butler, Donald Ryan, sorry, has been a huge influence on me and I had the great pleasure of meeting him last week. 
and who else? Kevin Barry. So I started reading writers like those and studying what they did because I think I think it's called close reading. I don't I don't really read for enjoyment. And I actually I can't read for enjoyment. I, and I don't read as much as I should. But when I read, maybe I'll read three pages and I'll study it very closely. And I look at style, craft, language and so on. And I, I absorb so much from even three pages of Donald Ryan. So in doing that, I gradually, my process improved, my, my prose improved. And I was starting to talk about more important things like grief, like loss, like recovery, stories like that. So, you know, it, it's my story. Well, I actually, I tell you, I did an experiment today with ChatGPT. You might be interested in this, Simon, because my brother sent me an article about you know, literary journals being inundated with stories by creating chat GP. So I wanted to see how much of a threat this was to the real, you know, key, hands on the keyboard writer. So I asked it to tell me a story, write me a story, short story about a girl who is, whose life is heavily influenced by a fictional character. So it trotted out this narrative for me. And yeah, well, I mean, first thing I'll say is writers got nothing to worry about. Okay, <laughs> you know, it, it ain't going to happen. And maybe another forty years or twenty years, we might maybe worry. But the stories I was producing at the start were very much like you know simple, simple narratives. Now they have complexities and layers and things like that, and that just took time to develop. And the way it developed was by writing and writing and writing. Yeah, thanks for that insight, Jennifer. Because you know, at the time of recording chat gpt you know three four it's all the rage everybody's talking about it but what you're describing is an advanced stage of writing and it's when i talk to filmmakers it's a very similar type parallel that i can draw because when i talk to filmmakers they talk about they don't watch things or they find it hard sometimes to watch things just for pleasure anymore because they think their brain is going well i can see how they did that shot and i'd have pulled the camera away there and i would have zoomed in here and so they're sort of analyzing it and it's back to that close reading isn't it when you read other people's work you're actually looking of course you're at the story but you're looking at the the composition the way it's written how it's written and how it's sort of drawing the reader in and engaging with the reader and something else that that i love and i've often shared about the written word and it's came up a few times on this show that when somebody actually picks up a physical book and opens it, you have that reader's undivided attention. There's very little else you can do when you're actually reading a book. And it is the the skill of the writer to be able to engage you in that book, isn't it? And sometimes when when that sweet spot happens, when that magic happens, you find yourself with a book where you don't want it to end it's kind of one of those books that you, you put on the shelf, you keep it and you go back to it because it's written so well. So thank you for sharing that insight. I really appreciate that, Jennifer. And there is another thing I'll say about that. There is, when you were talking about picking up a book and opening it. I mean, there is an implicit contract between writer and reader that I'm going to deliver something to you that is going to transport you away from where you are now and bring your mind to a different place and involve you in the lives of people who you've never met before, and I'm going to let you live life through their eyes. So that's the writer has to honor that contract and deliver on the goods and, and on the promise of that first opening line, that first paragraph. 
Yeah, 100% agree, Jennifer. And you'd know that your trajectory is up and up and up because when when you talk to somebody that really knows what they're doing in the writing area, you can mention everything you've worn and you can mention everything you're working on and the current ones, but you've already got four or five in the draw ahead of you, you know? And I think that in itself, it's... What about your own your own way of writing? Do you follow the set time each day? Do you write whenever the mood takes you or how do you structure the writing itself that's that's important i write full time and my writing day usually starts between 4 and 5 a.m so i'm an early i go to bed early i get up early hasn't made me healthy wealthy or wise yet but it has helped a lot with the writing because i find that and i've read also that that very early time in the day is great for creativity and so by 9 a.m I, I have a goal every day which is to write 600 words so graham green british author from the 20th century major english author he wrote 600 words every day no more no less and he was an absolutely prolific writer so i will write more but i try not to write less so i started off this morning i had 600 words written by 8 a.m by the end of the day, because I got into the flow of it by doing that early, that easier exercise of 600, I ended up with 1600 good words that I was really happy with. And if I have time at the end of the day, I'll go back, I'll edit and enhance them as much as I can. And then the first job tomorrow morning will be to review those, make final edits to them, move on. So by the time I have a first draft finished, it's pretty polished usually. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Jennifer, because I know it, it can alter from author to author, from writer to writer. And uh, it is interesting that 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 sort of magic creative time first thing in the morning. And then when you get into that flow, you know, those 600 words become 15, 1600 words, you know. So that's great. Well, look, that leads me on nicely to the next question I'd like to ask you if I can, which is about your own sort of input of information. Do you have time to read others' books? Are there any particular styles that you like or authors that you want to mention? What do you think about audiobooks as a format? Do you use YouTube? Are you searching the web? Are you using social media? What about your own learning style? Yeah, learning style. I, I have a very short attention span, which is surprising for a writer. I'm kind of, you know, it's the internet attention span of, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. And I, I, a very important thing about learning is I learned how I learn. And I learn in short segments um, so I can learn a little bit. I can go away from my process, come back, learn another little bit. So YouTube suits me perfectly. I generally won't watch anything that's longer than 10 minutes unless it's really enthralling. I don't listen to audiobooks. I did listen to Anna Garner's Treacle Walker, A Christmas, an audiobook. And I would heard them as an incredible novel. Social media is fantastic for writers. Writers live on Twitter. It's just such a supportive community there. It's been a great help to my writing and to build connections. Yeah, and I'm not really into craft books. I find them hard, but there are two I love. One is George Saunders' A Swim in a Pond in the Rain. And the other is, oh, I can't think of his name now, but it's called Into the Woods by John York. John York's book novel in our book, Into the Woods. And uh, writers I love, Donald Ryan, he's just incredible. I absolutely love his work. And uh, Connor, Fiona Scarlett, of course, her not her debut novel is just incredible. And I'm looking forward to her next one. Elaine Feeney's new novel, How to Build a Boat, will be out 
next month. That's a major event for me. I love Elaine's writing. David Butler, super Irish writer, and he's looking forward to his next. I mean, there's all these all these writers are working on new novels. You know, I'm really looking forward to them. Nuno O'Connor is just incredible. I mean, she is such an artist. And Claire Keegan, what what you know, what an amazing writer. Uh, with such gentle brushstrokes, she creates this beautiful, beautiful prose. So I, I study their work. I read it. Sometimes I read it twice. As I, as I mentioned earlier, I read in very small segments because I have that short attention span. Well, I love Donald Ryan's Queen of Dark Island because every chapter is 500 words and no more. So they're little kind of flash pieces. And uh, yeah, and, and I mean, one of my exercises to work on my own craft and, and try and improve my craft is to write flash, short flash. 300 to 500 words it's great it's a very focused form of fiction i suppose that flash style as well and your own sort of adventures in in writing that way and short stories i mean it it's kind of you know from there to novels and everything but i suppose you know that what the theme that's coming through is you sort of study a, a small paragraph at a time almost if i could say it that way and you've obviously got a very you know a very in-depth appreciation of a lot of the writers that you've mentioned because you can see how they work it and when you use a term like the brush strokes of the way the prose is sort of created it's a bit like if i go back to the technology sort of parallel it's a bit like writing elegant code you know yes. the brush strokes of the prose really flows and you, you know you can appreciate that that style of writing you know yeah, uh, and you I, mentioned I, some I, great names there yeah, and I, I, about coding, I mean, I was a software engineer for, in, in my former career, so and a software developer. So there, there's so there is there is a type of code which is very elegant, and I think the when you go from being a programmer to a software engineer, you're in that place of writing code that is extremely elegant and beautiful and an art form, I believe, and I say that as. As someone I hope who, who develops some of that stuff. Very much so. Very much so. You can draw a, draw, we can draw a little parallel, I think, to that as well. You know, and I suppose it's the different levels and the different approaches, and also experience and expertise. And you were mentioning it earlier. You've got to keep trying. You've got to keep writing. You've got to keep writing, reading good prose. And I also love the thing that you said quite a while ago now, which was about when you get a rejection. It. it you know, it, you you can't really take those things personal after a while because, and I know some of them still maybe sting a little bit, but that's the nature of the work that you're in. But to maybe reframe that in the way that you have, which is I just haven't found a home for it yet. And the other thing that you said is about the judgings, the judges on certain maybe pieces that you would submit. It can get rejected in two or three places and wildly accepted in another. And that's another great thing that you've shared with a community or anybody with an interest in writing, because it can be a little bit demoralizing. It can be a little bit like you feel you're not getting anywhere, can't it, Jennifer? Absolutely, yes, it can at times. And it's it's can be quite a lonely pursuit. I mean, like I can I'm sitting here with my keyboard and my laptop and I'm writing and you know, trying to avoid getting emails, <laughs> trying not to get interrupted, because uh, you know when I'm writing, I'm in a different world, and I'm I'm in the in the heads of my characters. But uh, yeah, so the uh, and it's important to connect with the world. I mean, this is where the world is where we get our inspiration. You know, I mean the 
story that appeared in the independent recently is called life on pluto and that came about because i heard something on the radio about ice volcanoes being discovered on pluto and how they might support primitive alien life and that stuck in my head and like two months later it became life on pluto and a month later it was published or picked up for publication of the irish independence so you never know where you're going to hear a bit of inspiration so a writer has to be involved in the world very much so couldn't couldn't agree more next thing i want to ask you is about advice so have you got any advice for people that are maybe getting into writing or struggling at the moment is there any advice that you've picked up along the way that you've taken to heart that you think really helps you today or maybe just some advice you can share with us in in general about about your area of expertise sure they have a few that really helped me one was i heard donald ryan say last week an event i was at Maynooth university look after your sentences so simple i mean and and if, if one looks at donald's sentences you can see that he clearly looks after them because they are each individually so beautiful eric keegan said at a literary festival i, I saw an interview with her as she said the author has to see and they have to listen now by that she was talking about in the in the scope of writing a scene that you and i took it to mean that you have to see from your character's point of view and you have to listen to what your characters are saying and thinking and feeling she did also make a very interesting point about uh, you can't if you're writing a scene about a character who's outside in a waiting room to see their doctor waiting for a diagnosis and they don't know whether it's good or bad if you as the writer already know it's bad you can't write how that person is feeling because you already know the answer so i remember claire spoke about writing by discovery being in that scene with the with the character and not knowing what comes next and that's a very powerful way of writing and i and i often write that way by discovery yeah, so there's another bit of advice. Yeah, the biggest one is write, write, write. Keep writing, keep reading. I mean, that that is the that's the killer app of writing. And I suppose as we come towards the end of our time here today, thinking of the next three, six, nine, twelve months, what's on the horizon for you? What are you thinking about? How does that planning process work for you, Jennifer? Yeah, I have a schedule because I suppose my IT background, I can, I've carried a lot of that project management expertise into my writing world so you know i'm very good at document management at planning my projects at doing you know chapter plans things like that outlines you know i'm used to writing from that background writing huge amounts of specifications and qualifications for my software so i bring that to what i do in my craft and uh, yes so the holiday will be finished end of april after that it's into if it hadn't been for you after that it's a weird girl which is a kind of a mystical and magical tale and i have that so i have a schedule up to the end of 2024 biggest thing though is and this might derail all that in a very pleasant way is that after novel fair my work is out with 17 agents and publishers so and the idea is that i might get signed or represented by one of them so if that happens an agent might decide or might suggests that it, my career follow a certain path in which case i might be, be diverted from writing maybe what's on my schedule to what they think would work best as a follow-up to host devil 
So, and, and, you know, I hope I do get signed and I hope that's a problem I have to deal with. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be a problem you're going to have to deal with, Jennifer, so. for sure. Well, look, thank you for sharing all that. And look, the, 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 the last couple of things I want to ask you is, is there anything that we haven't maybe touched on, maybe something about the fairs or, or the other things that you're involved in yeah. that you could maybe share with our audience today? And I also... Maybe when we've done that, you can tell us a little bit about if people want to find out more about your writing or get in touch, where's the best place to send them to? Okay, so the, the Irish Writers' Centre Novel Fair. Okay, I'm going to say that if you want, if one wants to do courses on writing, one cannot do better than Irish Writers' Centre courses. They are absolutely superb, given by published authors and poets, and they they changed my writing completely. I did a course with David Butler in 2022 called A Novel Approach. That completely changed what I do. And I have to thank David for everything that happened after that. I have to thank David for that very much. The Irish Writers' Centre Novel Fair is a must-do for emerging novelists. If people go to irishwriterscentre.ie, they can get the information on that. It's worth checking out. It's, it's definitely at least worth throwing your hat into the ring. To find me, at author JMCM on Twitter is the best place. And there's links there to my profile on writing.ie and information about my writing. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that. And the novel fair, I think this year is in its 12th year. I think if I, so. If I'm right. And like for people that are maybe not as familiar as as, as you are with the novel fair, but it, people like Curtis Brown, Penguin Random House, uh, Lilliput Press. I mean, Harper Collins. All the, all the sort of major representatives are there. I mean, it, it truly is a great event for writers. Oh, it's incredible! Yeah, it's an incredible yeah. opportunity for emerging writers, and is yeah. not to be missed. Definitely, if you if you have a novel that's is finished or going to be finished by the, I think the deadline is sometime in September. If you've got a novel in progress, get it done, get it in there and get to meet those people because it, it can totally change your life well look that's a nice point for us to end on jennifer thank you so much indeed for thank spending you, time with me today on the global discussion thanks to everybody who's watching or listening to this episode around the world make sure that you like follow subscribe do all the things i need you to do to help support this podcast obviously check out all jennifer's work and keep an eye on everything that she's doing on twitter and and everywhere else that you'll find jennifer's work and i hope you'll join me back here for some more discussions with creatives leaders and thinkers so thank you jennifer it's been wonderful to catch up with you today. thank you so much simon thank you